You're not the boss of me now, and you're not so big. Welcome to Life is Unfair, the Malcolm the Middle podcast, where we're going through every episode, one by one, in order. Today we're covering Season 1, Episode 13, Roller Skates, which was directed by Ken Quapis, written by Alan J. Higgins, and originally aired April 30th, 2000. I'm Jake, and I'm the Top Skate Dog. And I'm David, and once you start the path, there is no leaving the path. Start the episode... Uh, we have the cold open, as usual. This is another one that I really enjoy. This is the nerdiest thing I think we've seen Malcolm do yet. Probably, yeah. Yeah. Dewey, Reese, and Malcolm are dividing the plate of french fries in the center of the table, and Malcolm is ensuring that they divide them evenly by measuring each individual french fry and splitting them accordingly. Right, because they have to have an equal amount of length. Exactly. And he does some recalculating when Dewey takes a bite out of one. Then, at the end of all of this, once he has it sorted out, he turns to Cameron and says, Last week we had curly fries. It took us two hours. I think he said three. It might have been. But yeah, yeah, because I know it it seemed like a very long time. Longer than I would be willing to wait for fries, ever. Absolutely. But it's fair, David. It's the only way to ensure fairness. I would have to go, look, as much as he's usually a shithead, I'd have to go with the Reese plan on this one. What's fair is I can beat you up, so I get more. Wow. Look, after three hours of measuring curly fries, it's a reasonable response. Is it? I don't think it is. Well, you haven't spent three hours measuring curly fries. True. Neither have I, but the thought of it makes me want to punch someone. I'm glad we're we're learning that you have a significant amount of Reese in you. I wouldn't say significant, but enough. Okay. Look, I'm just saying, if you make me wait three hours to eat my food, I might hurt you. Okay. Especially if you don't have a good reason. Fair enough, I suppose. Exactly. Uh, Moving on to the episode itself. Another three-way split episode, and we're going to save the A-plot, because it's going to be the bulk. And amazing. Yep. Uh, As usual, I think we should start with the Francis plotline. The F-plot. The F-plot. It's a fairly simple one this time around, and it's centered around the cadets going to survival weekend where they get dropped out in the woods for two days with limited supplies and no food to learn survival skills it's character building jake and stanley is very excited about this and he tells francis he's not gonna let him get out of this one he lets him get out of most things but not this because it's important to stanley that's right initially francis seems reluctantly willing to go like he's going to go along with it but he's interrupted from any preparations fairly early on in the episode he is called by malcolm about a thing we'll discuss later and malcolm ends up putting him on the phone with their mother who is just talking on and on and on about the back injury that she has as he's talking to lois it cuts back a couple times to him during this and you see the other cadets getting increasingly prepared first you see stanley treating a knife then after that, you see the main thing you see is a guy in a full ghillie suit just eating a giant bowl of cereal in preparation. Yeah, it's pretty great. I love I love all the background. And, and Francis gets, like, increasingly distraught. At one point, he literally has the little payphone receiver sitting on his shoulder and just leaning against the pillar in desperation. But when it finally comes time for them to go, two cadets are having a dick measuring contest of how little stuff they're taking. Wow. First of all. It's what it is. If we're going to talk about dick measuring contests, we have to talk about the winner. Yes. The the first guy says he's bringing uh, rations and a couple other things. like Bedroll knife 
and rations. Yeah. Then the other guy, I remember he was bringing a winter blanket and not rations. Yep. Uh, which is apparently more impressive. I mean, yeah. He's got to get all his food. I suppose. Like, you can go two days without eating. It's not pleasant, but it's not that bad. Yeah, it's not that, it's not that bad. But then, Stanley comes in, completely nude, covered from head to toe in camouflage paint. Specifically, Tiger Stripe war paint, which is phenomenal. <laughs> and we'll eventually see the only thing he has is, like, strapped to his back in a sheath. He has a machete on his back. <laughs> Stanley is the man. You're not wrong. He won the dick measuring contest because he pulled his out. Exactly. He was very <laughs> literal about it. He sure was. As they are all marching out, Francis falls down and claims he has a back injury and can't go. And he uses the information his mother gave him about their hereditary shoulder muscles that are, uh, well, what's the word she uses? Asymmetrical? Yeah, it's genetic. I know for an, a podcast they can't hear my air quotes, but Jesus, it is the most obvious, just horrible excuse ever. And uh, Stanley is immediately suspicious because it's Francis and proceeds to question him. Yes. When Francis has the correct vertebrae to be out of place, Stanley believes him and has two other cadets carry him to his bed and they leave him alone for the weekend the ultimate francis treatment then we see some of francis enjoying his weekend alone watching some kind of i think reality tv show that seems like an interview with a model yeah it, it sounded like some sort of reality tv i, I couldn't well, pinpoint i was able to find a model who was active with that name i think it's inga uh, okay. at the time but i couldn't figure out exactly what like talk show it would have been that he was watching it's hard to say, but let's be honest. The more disturbing part about this is not the fucking show that he's watching, but rather what he's doing while watching that show. Uh, he is eating an entire tube of cookie dough straight out of the tube. Dude, I recognize those. Those aren't tubes. They're little, like, uh, plastic round things that you could buy. They were Nestle Toll House. Yeah. And they were, they were when they first started doing them to where they were, you could unwrap them and individually slice them and you put the cookies on the cheat and they were cheating. They were chocolate chip cookies for cheaters. That's, I, I would qualify that as a tube of cookie dough. It's, it's the exact mental energy I get with that. It's so much worse than a tube. It's just mushy and soft and gross. And delicious. Look, I like <laughs> cookie dough ice cream. I like cookie dough stuff. I, 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 uh, the Nestle Toll House cookie dough is not good. Yes, it is. I've tried it. So have I. It's delicious. I disagree. It's so good. Well, that That's was crazy. That part disgusted me. Wow. You disgust me, David. Yeah, and move on. That was disgusting. The next time it cuts back to Francis, he is in a rolly chair, fucking around with a fire extinguisher, which he uses to propel himself out of their common area room into the hallway from which everyone left as they all walk back towards the common area. Yes, and he makes a big to-do about it. He's going on blast off. And when he is caught fucking around, he tells them they just missed the fire. It's a good thing he was there to put it out. And they are all very displeased. So the last we see of Francis is he is tied up to a chair and left out in the woods. He's yelling that they can't leave him out in the woods for two days tied to a chair. And Stanley tells him three, one extra for lying. Then as they leave him there, Francis screaming, they throw a knife 
in front of Francis's face. That was to me, not at me, right? Yes, that's Francis's last <laughs> words. I love that scene, too. It's just this big Bowie knife just right in front of his face. They sink it into the ground. So satisfying. Shot so well. This episode, and I'm going to say this probably eight more times at least in this podcast. This episode was full of amazing cinematic moments. Oh my god. Like, if you watch no other episodes of this show, watch this episode. This is by far the best episode we've ever covered. Uh, that's my favorite of season one. It was not my favorite opening. It's probably my second favorite episode of the entire show. Fair. Uh, well, it is currently my favorite. Fair enough. It's very good. Yes. But that wraps up the F plot. So let's go over to the B plot, which is focused on Lois this time. It starts with Reese tracking in something on his roller skates. One can assume it's 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 poo. It definitely seems like a, a dog poo situation. It was a brown something that he was scraping off of his roller skate. On the fucking coffee table. <laughs> Seeing this, Lois starts to yell, then <laughs> it cuts from her, like, inhaling, preparing to scream, to her in bed, like, squealing in pain, <laughs> with Hal explaining... <laughs> That she threw her back out because she yelled so hard. Which he finds amusing and Lois does not. And he is setting up a baby monitor so that she can uh, request things as she needs them. An intricate system of baby monitors for what we see through the rest of the episode. Really? I, I thought it was just the same one just like being moved to where they are. Maybe. Here's my issue with that. Uh-huh. Is that would require... Hal and the boys to be actively moving it to wherever they are, which I feel like they wouldn't do. I feel like Hal would. Hal might. The boys definitely Fair. wouldn't. And there's a, most of those scenes Hal isn't in. And I also feel like it would be a very lowest move to have, like, one in every single room that she can just, like, switch between so that she can monitor the house. Yeah, that makes sense. Is All right, that, that tracks. That's a real lowest. It is. Yeah. And as she explained, she's not going to take any pain medication. Right. Because it'll make her groggy and she's worried the house will be destroyed if she's not at 100% of her game. To be fair, look at what's happened to the house before. Yeah, it's yeah. a valid fear. Yeah, 100%. But after that, we see some of those scenes of Lois using the baby monitor to keep everyone in line. See Reese drinking out of a uh, jug of milk and Lois yells at him to get a glass. Then he uh, clearly dismisses her, says he's going to, and then goes to take another drink and she yells at him again. She is very intuitive. Then we also see Dewey asking for milk. She tells him he can, but he has to get a glass. And he does, because he's a little angel. That's right. Then she's asking Malcolm who he's talking on the phone with, which I'll point out uh, to my point. Malcolm is talking in his room, and there's a baby monitor in there. Oh, that's right, yeah, I guess. And he says it's Francis, which prompts her to pick up the phone on her bedside table and start talking to Francis, starting that whole conversation. Apparently trying to bore Francis literally to death from his <laughs> body language. I love Lois as a character, but that phone conversation made me want to smack her. But it was also written in just perfect mom voice. Uh-huh. Oh my god. It felt like every time my mom got on the phone with one of her friends growing up. Yeah, pretty much. So good. <laughs> but so bad. Then we see Hal trying to drug Lois. Wait a minute. You, you can't just say trying to drug. That makes Hal sound like a bastard. I was going to continue on. Okay. 
Because you can't just lead with that. I guess how Lois phrases it. Yeah, but Lois is in pain and grouchy. <laughs> you can't take her word for it right now, Jake. Wow. Uh, but she doesn't know what she's thinking. Hal is trying to get her to take pain medication so she'll feel better, so he puts a couple pain pills in the sandwich that he makes for her. Not just a sandwich. There's also a glass of milk and a little vase with a flower. Yes, it's very it's nice. the whole breakfast, lunch, whatever in bed thing. Give Hal the credit he's fucking due, alright? Look, I am not worried about Hal not getting enough credit in, over the course of this episode, David. Okay, fair, but still, look... <laughs> It's important, all right? Okay. Trust me, as a man who's been married for a very long time, that whole scene, the difference between having the milk and the flour on that tray and just bringing the drug sandwich in, very different reactions. Okay, fair. That made it sound like I tried to drug my wife. You know what? Maybe we should just move on from this. <laughs> uh, but Lois immediately is aware of what he's doing and takes the top piece of bread off of her sandwich. And tells him to stop trying to drug her, which is why I use that phrase. Then the next important thing we get is Hal and Lois in bed as Lois has been drugged by Reese, who put it in her milk. Lois has taken her prescribed medication as recommended by doctors. We're going to be talking about this again, so we'll let you keep going with the synopsis. She is now very loopy. As Hal uh, complains to her about some issues he's having with Malcolm, and she is having her own separate conversation uh, about various people that she hates, the list of which is cops, uh, soap salesmen, bigots, and those big pink, and then she falls asleep before she can finish what she's uh, trying to say. Who knew it'd be this relevant in 2020? Right? Twitter finally agrees with Lois. Oh, that should be our new hashtag, I agree with Lois. <laughs> Lois is usually right in this show, to be fair. All right. <laughs> <laughs> we can use that hashtag for most episodes. Nice. Lois is the antagonist half the time because she's right. Fair. <laughs> At least morally. <laughs> yes. The uh, final bit we get with Lois is the day after she wakes up after her medication she is complaining to Hal that he had Reese drug her and Reese has never given her anything in his life she should have known better although it's only implied that Hal did it I mean that's true it's never confirmed true Reese acted alone I can buy that okay but Hal rushes out to warn the boys that Lois is mobile, <laughs> and they immediately scatter. Yes, with uh, terrified faces. Yes, probably to clean up various messes they've left around. I did find it funny that Dewey is making some sort of, like, cookie animal cracker mess on the table and leaves it, which implies that he's made a much larger, worse mess somewhere else. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> it makes me think of the uh, montage from uh, Francis Comes Home. Oh, God. The second montage where they have to re-dirty the house because they clean it too much. Too much, yeah. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Uh, but that's pretty much it for Lois' plotline. That leaves the biggin. Yeah. The reason this episode is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it starts at the beginning of the episode with Malcolm playing street hockey with some neighborhood kids. <laughs> and he is the only kid without skates. Well, Stevie doesn't have skates, but he doesn't need them. True. <laughs> Uh, Stevie is playing goalie, wearing, like, full gear. That is, like, beyond full gear. That's, like, yeah. full hockey gear plus, like, a football player's, like, shoulder pads. Yeah. And they have attached the goal 
to the back of his wheelchair. Yes, and we see why. Because when they yell car and they all have to get out of the street, Stevie can just wheel to the side and he takes the goal with him. Yeah, no. It's, it's genius. It was, absolutely. I wish we'd have thought of that when we were kids. I don't think we ever played hockey. We didn't play hockey, but there was soccer. I don't think I ever played soccer. You didn't play soccer because it involved too much running. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no good. Yeah, you bum. Look. They don't run, I don't jump. I've had these rules since childhood, and I stand by them. <laughs> uh, which sucks, because you're a historian, which is like one step removed from Indiana Jones. Don't get me started <laughs> on how Indiana Jones is a fucking horrible archaeologist and a worse professor. I don't know what you're talking about. He would be the coolest professor. But we're getting sidetracked. Yeah, he would be the coolest professor from whom you learn absolutely nothing about archaeology. He's 100% the kind of professor where 80% of his classes you're watching a movie because he's not there. Look. Or he's too hungover. We learned a lot from Tomb Robber much later. Decades. Years. Hundreds of years later. But we learned a lot from him. I mean, we're getting completely sidetracked here, but... For 1940s archaeology, it's accurate. Yeah. It's pretty much what archaeology was in the 40s. It's just not good. <laughs> yeah, you go in, you take the thing. Yeah. 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 It's not cultural appropriation, Jake, if it's science. No. <laughs> oh. Well, TV steered me wrong. Anyways, back to the episode. Uh, without his skates, Malcolm is having to run up and down the street and essentially having no impact on the game because he can just never catch up to where the puck is. Yes, in fact, you frequently see the the group of other children. They go past, and then a few moments later, you see Malcolm wheezing and huffing. Uh, yes, which, when he starts talking to Stevie, Stevie thinks he's being mocked <laughs> because they're talking in the exact same cadence. Yes. And Malcolm says, No tired <laughs> and stevie just gives him a knowing look well actually stevie tells him get skates that's right yeah which is what leads into malcolm explaining that he doesn't have skates because before he's allowed to have them he has to get lessons from his dad who used to be a professional skater doesn't call them skates Correct. But I'm not going to finish that line right there. <laughs> and he implies, continuing on, that his brothers won't even talk about the lessons from Hal. And to prove his point, he asks Reese about it, and Reese just says, I don't want to talk about it, and immediately turns around and goes the other direction. Then we have Malcolm talking to Francis about his experiences on the phone, which Francis just makes a disgusted sound when Malcolm asks him about it. And Malcolm says, why does everyone do that? But Malcolm eventually builds up the nerve to ask Hal for lessons at the dinner table as Hal has brought home gut busters. Yes, which, by the way, sound delicious. They do. Horrible, but delicious. Oh, they sound great. Do you remember what all the details of it I didn't yes, write down? They took they they take a sausage, and they stuff it with cheese, and then they wrap it in bacon. There's I feel like I'm missing a step, and then they stick it in a deep fryer. A deep fryer full of lard. Yes, full of lard. Yes. I think that's everything. Yes. And then they put it on a bun, and then you gotta eat it before it gets hard. Yes. <laughs> it is definitely one of those things that I was simultaneously going, that sounds disgusting, and I wish I had one right now. Exactly, yes. <laughs> 
I'm like, hmm, that sounds like a delicious dinner that would kill me. Uh Uh-huh. But Malcolm interrupts this asking for lessons, which we get a very surreal moment, uh, which I assume we're going to talk about more in the awards. Probably? Okay. Definitely. Okay. I have to think about it for a second. We won't go into too much detail there, but uh, we'll say Hal agrees to uh, give him lessons, which start promptly the next morning as Hal wakes Malcolm up at 5 a.m. by spinning the blade on the rollerblade next to his face. Oh, it's more than that. Yeah, I feel like I can talk about this now. I feel like this probably won't come up. There's too much other things to pick. But first of all, he is... It shows just, like, at foot level how tiptoeing into the room on old-school traditional roller skates. Like, he's up on point on roller skates. Which, by the way, is fucking hard. And then flicks it from the ground, spinning it next to his face to wake him up. Then it goes from there to Hal and Malcolm's first day of training, which Hal gives him a demonstration of his skills. Uh, Tough Funky Town. Yeah, that was so good. And it is a very intricate roller disco routine. It's so good. Which we'll we'll talk more about in the awards for sure. For sure. Uh, (laughs) Malcolm is both horrified and amazed by this display. And Hal shows him the inline skates he got for him. And Malcolm's very excited and wants to put them on. But Hal tells him, no, uh, we're going to do this my way. You don't get the skates right now. Instead, he gives him shoes... With wheels taped onto the side. Yeah, it looks like like construction paper wheels just taped to the side of tennis shoes. You have to earn the skates, Jake. And he's making Malcolm skate in his mind with the tennis shoes. Yep. Between some cones, giving him instructions as he does so. But after that, we get a little montage of Hal doing various training with Malcolm, including a handstand thing where Hal is on skates still, holding Malcolm, who's doing a handstand. And for what what Hal's saying, it seems like they were supposed to be doing something, but really they're just kind of standing there with Malcolm doing a handstand. It looks like prep for Chinese push-ups. Yeah. Which is what they would always call the those handstand push-ups that they'd make us do. That's what it looks like. It does. I don't know if maybe that's... Given something else that happens that I know we'll talk about in the awards, maybe that's the idea. Maybe. He's prepping him for that specific move. Maybe. I don't think so, but maybe. He is all about safety, Jake. Gotta build up those muscles. Which is part of what he is telling Malcolm. Yep. Why he can't have his skates yet. That's right. We also see Malcolm doing uh, disco dance moves as part of his training. That whole scene is amazing. It's just shot from behind, and it's Frankie Muniz and freaking Brian Cranston just sitting there, and they're doing the little, you know, extend, extend the hand, bring it back, bump the hip. <laughs> when he asks about it, he explains, gotta have a full range of motion. Through all of this uh, training montage, Malcolm is complaining. After the dance moves is where he sort of blows up and questions Hal's methods, which leads to Hal storming off and telling him that he's just added a day to their training. Then we get the scene with Hal confiding in Lois, which we've already at least generally discussed, but he's complaining about how uh, Malcolm is defying him, but not physically. He has so much skill, but he's too reckless, too young. He wants to fight him at every turn. It feels like they just 
cut and pasted a speech from a Star Wars something and made it about roller skates. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was great. Then Reese is getting ready to go play some street hockey with his skates, and he's sort of taunting Malcolm and says he'll see him out there in two months. Malcolm decides he's had enough, so he gets what looks to be a combination of a high chair and a step stool. I remember those. Okay. I don't. I was very perplexed by it. Oh, really? Yeah. We had one. I don't remember that, but okay. Yeah, it had the little step that pulled out. Uh-huh. It was a high chair, but then it had the little step, and you could step up on it. Bizarre. It's a real 80s thing. Okay. I'll take your word for it. Fair. But he uses this to climb up and grab his skates, and as he does so, immediately, Hal walks out and catches him, taking the skates that he hasn't earned yet. And when he confronts him, Malcolm, in a, like, Looney Tunes style censoring tells how fuck you <laughs> the way they do it took me a second to catch on to what was going on because he starts to talk you hear the brake screeching and then it cuts away to like a vehicle's tires just immediately screeching and just that god-awful screech and then i believe it cuts to like lois and she has a reaction and then back to hal and malcolm and you just get you. <laughs> then you're able to extrapolate, oh, Malcolm just told Hal that fuck you. I love the way they did that. Pretty good. Also, I love the look on Lois's face, because uh, it's like she sensed a disturbance in the forest. She wanted to beat a child, but couldn't reach a child. Hal looks very perplexed and offended by Malcolm's words as Malcolm storms off. Yes, and unlike me in my childhood, Malcolm walked away, alive. I feel like I could have got away with it with my dad, with just, like, getting grounded or something. If I said that to my mom, I'd have been punched in the face. I I am almost 30, and I cannot contemplate saying that to my mom. If my mom didn't hurt me, I might hurt myself at this point. But, like, if I said that to my dad when I was a kid, 100%. If I didn't get popped in the face, I'd have been over a knee and getting hit with a belt. See, as an adult, it's 100% contextual. <laughs> I, I could definitely say that under certain circumstances to my mom. If, say, we're fighting about football or... <laughs> well, right, but you... She's would... beat me at risk, which would never happen, oh, to wow. be clear. But if it did... <laughs> You and your mom have a very different relationship yeah, than yeah, me and my yeah, mom. Yeah, for though. sure. Like, but, like, if I said it, like, in an angry way, like like Malcolm does here, like, I, I, I couldn't envision that happening under any circumstances, but definitely as a kid, no. No, God, no. Yeah, we'd have been dead. A hundred percent. My mother once broke my brother's finger for flipping my sister off. That was my mom's thing. If she saw you flipping off, she would grab the finger and she would just yank. Oh, God. Where'd that rule go when I started staying out of your house? Because I got flipped off all the time. Uh, behind her back, first of all. Second of all, <laughs> in a very relevant to this episode thing, that was mostly after my mom threw her back out. Fair. And had major back surgery so she could no longer catch us. Which was a real game changer. <laughs> yeah, if you guys think Reese is shitty, you should have been at Jake's house for the, like, two years after my aunt's first big back surgery. Uh, no, the two years we were decent. We would, like, do stuff because we knew she couldn't catch us. We were much bigger assholes, like, once she was recovered but still couldn't move so good. That's where we got real shitty. That's when we started doing things like kicking, kicking her, her cane. cane. Yeah, real Reese shit. <laughs> well, it's not like she would fall and hurt herself when, she, when he did it. 
Yeah, she would just fall onto the couch. Yeah. Generally. (laughs) Yeah. You're welcome. Your shittiness is on the internet now. I'm fine with this. It was funny. I I stand by it. Oh, my. I'm starting to grading you on a curve. Back to the episode. That's the point where we get the one-sided conversation between Hal and Lois, where Hal brings up Malcolm is using words to fight back instead of taking a swing at him like the other boys did. That's right. He knows how to deal with that. That's right. (laughs) And it's not like he caught him smoking cigarettes and he can force him to smoke the whole pack. Which, once Lois passes out, Hal goes off to a playground in what is presumably his old disco skating outfit and goes through a a second routine this one to queens we are the champions it is phenomenal and it's a full ensemble an outfit does not do it justice it's it's regalia there you go (laughs) i'm okay with that at the conclusion of his routine hal has an epiphany as he looks into the distance and says cigarettes and then skates away on one foot i think he says smoking maybe he prints out multiple pages 10 pages 10 pages single spaced correct various dirty insults yep and has Malcolm start reading all of them while staring in his eyes to see how his words affect people. Yes, and uh, Malcolm is very reluctant at first, and then uh, starts to have problems with it as he continues on, and then kind of gives up, and uh, Hal does his little fatherly speech and tells him about how, see, now now you see how, how words affect people, and... and blah 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 and then malcolm goes no i'm gonna finish i'm not gonna let you down again and proceeds to go back to reading the insults through the first half before malcolm has his little break you you can see like how looking like kind of smug like his thing's working and malcolm getting increasingly like downtrodden about it and then after malcolm apologizes and insists on going through it all you, you see essentially the opposite is <laughs> it's clear that the now what malcolm is saying is slowly getting to hell yes he's just looking more and more beaten down he did say that it gets worse as it goes so it makes sense (laughs) right hell agrees to finish training malcolm and then we get one last little scene malcolm playing street hockey again this time with his inline skates and he's initially still doing pretty poorly and kind of getting his ass kicked and then Funky Town starts playing, and Malcolm looks over to see how has brought the boombox out and is doing a little dance. Malcolm then starts doing roller disco moves in order to win the hockey game. Yes. And it ends with him looking to camera and saying, I know I look like an idiot, but I'm kicking ass. That's it for our summary of roller skates. Let's move on to our awards. Yes, because this is gonna be uh, this is gonna be some conversation. Let's, let's start with the, some of the easy kind of more throwaway ones. I agree. A plot of your heart. How? Yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, favorite character. How? Yeah, obviously. Obviously. Let's let's go to the shittiest and least shitty kid awards from there. Okay. Because uh, I feel like they're also. I feel like we're gonna agree. I don't think so. Okay. Uh, for least shitty kid, I had Dewey. Okay, so I considered that, but Dewey was really only in the episode, like, two scenes. True. You fight me any time that I try to nominate Dewey. Now, (laughs) Dewey was a perfect angel. He did exactly what Lois told him to. I completely understand why you nominated him. Uh, However, I feel like I have been put into this position by you where I have to have more proof 
for my nominations because you are so sure that I have this Dewey bias and not that he's a perfect angel. So, uh, and this might shock you, I had Reese as my least shitty kid. He, David, Uh put his mother Uh in a bed with a broken back with his shitty behavior. No. Lois makes it very clear because she grabs him by his shirt and yanks him to her to let him know he did this to her. She had a choice on whether or not to yell. She chose to do that. He liked shit. Allegedly. Presumably (laughs) shit. On the coffee table. I mean, she said, wipe it off. He was just doing what he was told. This is madness. There's something even worse. You're gonna really hate one of the main reasons. Uh, because he drugged her? He, no. He got her to take her medicine. He figured out a way that was better than Hal and managed to get her to take her prescribed medication that she needed in order to feel better. And he did it in a nice way and also brought her a glass of milk. That's how the opioid epidemic starts, David, with Reese's pushing their drugs. Yeah, but that's (laughs) peanut butter cups, and that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about Reese (laughs) putting needed necessary medication into milk and giving it to his mother so that his mother could feel better. Remember, with Reese, we have to grade on a curve. Fair. Now, if Reese were acting in his normal, self-interesty, Reese-y bullshit, he would have done everything he could have to kept his mom immobilized and trapped in bed. Instead, he took actions that did the exact opposite of that. That is a good act for Reese, okay? I guess. He was restoring order to the household. Because in your own words, Lois is what keeps the house running and what keeps order in the house. Reese was taking the necessary steps to restore order. That, for Reese, is a hell of a good act. I can buy that. He still wiped shit on the coffee table. Yeah, that was a dumb thing, but he's Reese. I mean, come on. You are not going to find an episode where Reese doesn't do something like that. I suppose. Again, you have to grade on a curve. He's no Dewey. Yeah, but even grading on a curve. I I don't think he was the shittiest kid in the episode, but I do not see him as the least shitty by a huge He was the least shitty. I would even put Francis above him. No, you are wrong. He did a selfless act to restore order, to help his mom out. He also didn't beat anyone up this episode, which is high marks for him at this fucking point. Uh, He does knock a kid into some garbage cans. Yeah, but that's hockey. Fair. Yeah, like you can't hold that against him. If anything, he makes a good hockey player. Also, he has a great Wayne Gretzky uh, comment, so, you know, and his little Canadian slam there. I thought it was hilarious. It adds up on a curve, where Dewey wasn't an option. I beg to... Dewey was an option. While he only really had one scene, that one scene was explicitly of him behaving in a way that Reese failed to behave. True. Dewey is always the least shitty kid of the episode. Usually. Always. Usually. But I am just saying, grading on a curve, Reese is the least shitty because he's Malcolm, piece of shit. Oh, should should we go to shittiest kid? Yes, but it's not Malcolm. What? (laughs) It's Francis. What? Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. That is insanity. No. After what Malcolm said to his father. Oh, I know. No, I get it. I get it. And I almost chose Malcolm as shittiest kid. Almost. But then I had to look at it, okay? Look, 
Malcolm was feeling a lot of pressure. He's a really nerdy kid. This is like his only like chance to be not known as the Krellboyn. That being said, piece of shit. But Francis pussed out on two days in the fucking woods, which by the way, I would kill for to be able to do again. So fuck you, Francis. And then the gross fucking it's not Nest- it's cookie dough it's, it's good nestle toll house it's so gross it's and good. just eating it by the mouth mm. uh the visual alone of him squeezing that shit out of the little like paper wrapper and then taking a bite of it and then he's sitting there watching daytime shitty television it's not uh, an interest or a fun thing for francis to go out into the woods for two days like that. Who cares? He, it was. I agree with Stanley. It was character building. Maybe. Also, listen. He lied. He used his mother's pain. I'll give you that. That's actually essentially about to say that. I get why uh, he had to be punished for his lie by being left out in the woods. I'm fine with what the cadets did in retribution for the lie. Uh huh. But otherwise, I have no issue with what Francis did. Look. It's clearly a scam. Their parents paid for Ugh. room and board. No, that's not how that works. He's <laughs> and, there to and learn. it's not being used. That's a scam. He's there to learn skills, and he refused to go learn some of those skills. No, he's there to learn discipline. Which is a skill. Which, mm, Absolutely it is. I don't know that I qualify as a skill. It's a skill. You can train it, you can hone it, you can improve it, and you can lose it. It is a skill. Mm, I don't know. I, I, I still don't qualify as a skill. It's a skill. But, regardless, he's there to learn skills related to discipline, and that is a perfect exercise for discipline, by the way, to carry on to your point, and he skips it, which normally I'm in favor of because he's sticking it to the man. Exactly. But he's not doing that in this one. The only person he's sticking it to here is Stanley, which is stupid. That's his bodyguard. We've already discussed his whole thing with Lois is like a mutual dense issue. Malcolm cursing at Hal for trying to help him yeah, that was is bad. much worse. And the entire time he's being taught the thing that he wanted, he complains the entire time. Uh, look, I'm not, not gonna lie that Malcolm is a piece of shit in this episode. And he almost got shittiest kid. He did get shittiest kid. Uh, from the one who matters. Oh, look, here's the thing, Jake. Once again, I had to go back to previous arguments to see if he met the criteria. And as you have established in the past, Malcolm has a redemption arc... And that makes him not as shitty as the other shitheads. Francis doesn't have redemption arc in this. Uh, but he does have punishment. He does get which punishment. we have also used as precedent. We're getting dangerously <laughs> close to me needing to make an actual spreadsheet of <laughs> award precedents here. And I will do it. And you know I will because it's legalese. And it's spreadsheet, and I'm nerdy enough to like that. Fair. Uh, although I feel like a spreadsheet here would be less useful. What we really need is uh, what are those things called with the uh, where they branching paths? Those charts. A flow chart. Flow chart. That's the word I'm looking for. A flow chart could be helpful, though 
it isn't as good because we it would be like a flow chart that looks like a fucking spider web. Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, that, that would be horrible. Instead, it would be much easier instead to have references and you could add the little hyperlink tags so that like you could look at precedent Y for section A, B, and you could see that you cannot nominate someone for least <laughs> shitty kid if X, Y happens. See reference tab A. Click on that, it'll take you over to where in episode one. Gotcha. Yeah. You're, you're wanting a legal database. Correct. I'm wanting a, like, scientific formula. Yeah, so that's, <laughs> that's the difference between the two of us. I wonder if the viewers understand how serious we are that we might do something like that. If I had as much time on my hands as I would like... We spent a lot longer on those awards than I thought we would. Told you it was going to be a fight. Not expect that. I was blindsided. You're welcome. Let, let's go to the OK Boomer Award. Ah, uh, yeah. That one took me a lot of deciding. There are so many things. The uh, high chair step stool, that one. The boom box. The Nestle Toll House, which almost took it, but I wasn't sure if you were going to pick it or not, so I went, I steered away from it, and then I was like, you know what? There's one that is staring us in the face the entire fucking time, and it's so goddamn obvious, so I'm going to go with that and hope that it's not what Jake picked. And it is the inline rollerblades. That was my number one pick, David. When we were kids, like, rollerblades were the thing. It started with the bikes, and everybody had a bike. It was all about riding bikes around. When we were teenagers, it switched to all of a sudden, like, everyone had roller skates. And all the cool kids were roller skating. And I remember I got roller skates, and then I tried to go down that really steep hill by Grant Elementary, and I hit a lump of tar that had been left by sloppy road work, and I went down that 17th Street hill the rest of the way rolling on the asphalt and had road rash up all of my back my ribs my knee was torn up my elbow was all busted up it's it's interesting to me that you remember it being the cool kids had inline skates mm -hmm. because i remember it very much being the cool kids had skateboards the slightly less cool kids had inline skates oh yeah no see none of the people who had skateboards were considered cool they were all the stoner losers that no one liked those were the cool kids if you went to... Uh, I feel like this is a homeschool division thing. Those were the cool kids, David. <laughs> I don't know, because all of them that I knew, like, even the, like, cool kids, like, didn't hang out with them. Like, nobody knew them. Nobody liked them. They got their ass beat all the time. Like, the only people who got beat up around, like, Grant and stuff, more than Ryan, my brother were the skateboarders. I don't know if you remember, you might not have been at my house for any of those, but like all the times where like people got cracked in the face with skateboards in front of my house and stuff oh, yeah. is because the skateboarders were getting their asses kicked. And then so they just started fighting dirty, which I mean, good for them because they were getting pummeled a lot. And they started just like beating people with skateboards. That was like the big like counterculture thing was skate culture at that time. Sure. Which I, is, in my mind, like, that's classified as the cool kids. Like, the preppy, like, jockey, quote-unquote, cool kid side of things. Yeah. Were, like, in constant conflict with... Yeah, the people who everyone were the wanted kids to be. Yeah, that's what I judged off of the cool kids, especially when we were younger. I, that was not the impression that I got. Being in school and stuff, those were the kids that everyone fucking hated way more than like the skaters and the stoners and stuff because those were the ones who would do like gay bashing and shit like that constantly oh well those were the people who were 
too cool to even like talk to people like me brought up the homeschool thing like wasn't in school but i was around it all the time right but it is it's still a different sure thing. well sure but no yeah i i never had that issue of thinking of the skater kids as cool kids until much later now when we got into like high school and stuff that's where that really started to shift but like when we were in like elementary and and middle school the skater kids hadn't really been the cool kids yet uh yeah i guess elementary school i can kind of see that but my, my middle school is definitely where that shifted yeah i mean and that who knows a part of that too is the now, people when, that we knew when, and, when did tony hawk pro skater come out because we all know that's the division i mean you're not wrong a hundred percent that caused a huge shift and uh it's coming back out is it really i'll shift again yep uh but since you took my inline skates as your okay boomer award i do have a backup yeah and it's when they're in their room Reese is playing an old school Game Boy. Ah. With no cartridge in it, which is I didn't even suspect, notice. but uh how did I not catch that? I don't know. That's crazy. I miss my old school Game Boy. I do not. Uh I had the Lion King game. I got so close to beating that so many times. Then you had to restart every fucking time. Yep. As a huge fan of Nintendo's handheld consoles, the Game Boy through the Game Boy Advance can fuck right off. I hated that it didn't have a light. That's the 100% <laughs> what I was thinking. No backlighting. I don't give a fuck about that console. But... I remember, I played, I don't remember what game it was, but I couldn't play Lion King uh, at night when we were driving because it was an active game. Like, you had to be able, but there was a game that I was playing. God, I wish I could remember what game it was. But I would play it by the street lights, like, that you passed on the interstate in the cities and stuff. Yep, I experienced that many times. <laughs> ah, nostalgia. Also, goddammit, Nintendo, it's an LED light. Right, and then they would sell you a fucking attachment that you would just, like, hook on that was just a little fl- fucking reading light. Yep. Horrible. Yeah, oh yeah. Horrible. Also, you couldn't do shit without a cartridge. What are you doing, Reese? Before we get to the big one. Right. What did you have for best line? So my best line, this is another one that I struggle with. There are so many good lines in this fucking film. There are. Film. Film. Wow. Yeah, just, wow. I need to go no, to No, no, I agree. This is a film. It I, ele- it's elevated above. Right? It goes in line, which you just said, what I was trying to say about this episode. But there are so many good lines in this episode. So many just great moments. What I ended up going with, though, just because of I love the, the comedic timing of it and the face that Francis makes when Stan- he and Stanley are talking, when Stanley is first breaking the news to him about survival day and that he has to go, and he says, well, it's better than broken clavicles, and Francis sits up with a very concerned and slightly confused face, looks at Stanley and asks, that's something inside me, right? I love that line. It, it is a pretty good line. It is. It, it is not one of them I considered, though. Okay. The one I end up choosing is when Hal is talking about how Francis and Reese both took a swing at him during ah. their roller skating training. Uh, he says, I can deal with that. Block, chop, they're on the ground gasping air. It's all over with. That was my runner-up. Also, it feels very familiar to me. Like We know how to deal much better with the physical actions of a, of a stupid kid than... He's using words. <laughs> My runner-up for best line was, he doesn't even call it skating, he calls it the Brotherhood of the Wheel, which <laughs> is Malcolm explaining to Stevie how seriously Hal takes roller skating. Which leads into this great aesthetic that carries on throughout the episode that we are going to have to talk about so much for the next award. 
Uh, I mean, we can move on to uh, the last award, which gets its name from this episode. It sure the does. Roller Skating King Award to give the best visual moment of the episode. Which, by the way, is Hal. Just all over. Uh, yeah, I just have the Roller Skating King. Yeah. He, he is the Roller Skating King. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are so many moments in this episode that have so much going on visually i love it so i'm gonna just like walk through it real quick and and sort of i guess give my take of what i really really like to start off with the scene where malcolm approaches his dad and asks for roller skating lessons they're sitting at the table and hal has just explained the gut bomb and malcolm asks and Hal turns in his seat to look at Malcolm, and he has this look of just sheer pride on his face at first that then melts into this questioning, sort of stern face. And as that happens, the lights in the background go dim, and everything sort of fades out, and all that's left is the table and Hal and Malcolm. And it's like a scene from a, a like really major dramatic film or some sort of you know star wars kung fu movie the master and the pupil coming together for the first time is exactly what it reminds me of i love that scene kind of like the dewey vision from uh the last episode it's one of the like the two things i think of uh, especially with this first season of them sort of playing with the format of a sitcom and just getting away from like realism which is generally what you get in a sitcom especially in, in this period to do something just very interesting like that fadeaway effect it was it was super good super well done it gives the moment sort of an ominous backing which lends credence to to what happens and it, it helps show exactly how serious hal is and that's where my intro line comes from <laughs> at the start of the episode i said once you start the path there is no leaving the path that's one of the many lines that he uh tells malcolm and he tells him that this is a lifelong commitment and can't just walk away and all these things it sounds like this questioning is like someone getting brought into the jedi order or like at a league of assassins or yeah, some uh, sort of like ninja cult but the jedi thing definitely also kind of makes me think of like uh the beginning of a mafia movie yes perfect example especially because the way he's like leaning in and stuff it's very much so like mafioso style uh i love this scene and then the way they break it is perfect and it's so much in character and style because everything comes back, but it doesn't fade back in. It snaps back. And it snaps back as Hal goes, neat, we'll start tomorrow. In his very jovial, happy, Brian Cranston, just sort of Hal that you've come to know and love. And the blending of those styles and the transition from wacky and zany to this like sort of serious melodramatic moment to back to the kooky and crazy is perfect. I cannot think of another moment in television that has done this this well. Yeah, there's a few things from, like, Breaking Bad that I feel like are sort of on par, but definitely no TV comedies have done something like this this well. And then you go to the first training montage, which is, again amazing i want to know by the way because i know so much about brian cranston and it leads me to believe i wonder if he actually is the roller skating king he did all of the skating routines except for uh, one shot in each of the two segments 
Okay. And the first segment, it's when he does, like, the uh, jump spin thing. It probably an axle, the little axle that he pulls up. Then in the second one, uh, the segment where he's, like, he does, like, the long loop around and it ends with him doing a handstand. Yeah. That segment he didn't do. Okay. Uh, but all the rest of it is actually Brian Cranston. And apparently he learns to do all of that in within two weeks. See, uh, that's preparing for the episode. God, I love Brian Cranston because of things like that, and it's so good, and it's it's genuine. And I'll tell you what, the things that he's pulling off. Anyone who watches this episode and thinks that's easy, go get a fucking pair of skates and prove it. Because I now I didn't do roller skates. I, I fucked around on roller skates when I was a kid because you know that was a thing. Roller skating and then the roller skating parties at the roller rink. Like we were there all the fucking time. Uh, I have news for you, David. Uh-huh. There were arcade machines in the roller skating rink. I was at the roller skating rink all the time. Never fucking skated. They never. They had Street Fighter, David. I know, but my mom. <laughs> Would never give me coin because she thought that if i played on the machine i wouldn't socialize i'd have socialized with nerds like you exactly anyways no but okay so when i was younger i took figure skating uh my sister was a big time national figure skating medalist all that jazz i grew up in a skating rink i did years of ice skating a lot of the things that hal does in this are also done in figure skating. They are hard as shit, and it's not any easier doing it on four fucking wheels than it is on a single little blade. The fucking, the the little, like, shoot the duck move where he, like, kneels down and sticks his leg out in front of him and, and rolls forward and then goes right back into to standing and skating. The, what would be called an axle in figure skating where he jumps up and propels himself up and does a full 360 rotation or more. You know, because you've got a, a, a single, a double, and a triple axle, which are, the triple axle is arguably the one of the hardest jumps in figure skating to land. And it looks like he does at least two rotations. These are not easy things. These are things that gold medal winning athletes do. And Brian Cranston learned to do it and did it for a TV show because he can. Yeah, uh, this is his favorite episode of the show. Well, I don't blame him. Yeah. It's fucking phenomenal. And then getting to incorporate in, because, I mean, he's an older guy, so I'm sure he kind of grew up with Disco Fever a little bit and stuff. So, you know, you get to throw in sort of that old nostalgia for him as well, probably. And the disco moves, the music, the learning how to do all that stuff. I mean, it had to be phenomenal to shoot and do. And it turns out amazing. When you have an actor who can actually do the things that you're wanting them to do versus having to have a bunch of creative edits and stuntmen and all this stuff, it shows. And the quality is improved massively. And that's exactly what you get in this. I loved that first scene just for that because it looked like Brian Cranston was doing all of it. So I, I, I like that you confirmed that he did all of it, but the one seen in each one right and he just he looks so happy yeah i love it which of the two uh segments did you like more the two roller skating routines he does (sighs) well see there's the problem because i have the malcolm conundrum almost i don't know to be horrified or impressed but instead it's it's i i don't know which one 
impresses me more or I enjoy more. I think that my favorite objectively would have to be the uh, full routine where he's in his, quote, regalia of his roller skating king. Right. There's some humor to it, but I think it's by far more impressive. I think the skill needed to do the moves in that is much higher. The physical prowess is higher. Doing it in that god-awful 70s fucking (laughs) discotheque outfit also increases difficulty and it feels like watching the freaking olympics that's what it feels like i spent a lot of time watching figure skating with my family figure skating olympics watching this routine feels like watching an ice dancing routine and that's insane because those are gold medal athletes this is a tv show for that to feel that similar i think was insane but on the other hand the training montage in the start the goofy dance the the dance moves that he does all of that leading into the roller skating was phenomenal and there's still a lot of physical skill and prowess that's displayed there right but it's also got that fun loving goofy sort of aspect that is how i prefer the second one just because it is just presented in such a straightforward way. There's there's not really any joke in that entire scene. It's just how skating. Yep. Uh, kind of makes me think of not the most recent season, but I think the next most recent season finale of Always Sunny, the episode where Matt comes out to his dad. Oh yeah, and yeah. has the interpretive dance routine. Yeah. Kind of reminds me of that, and that it's just a very straightforward presentation of this thing that's not funny in a sitcom but that works from like a character and emotional and plot level yeah i think is really hard to pull off and very rarely done yeah i get that um and i would agree i I think that it's phenomenal to see and and again i like the goofy zany seeing him do the little like dance moves where he's up on his tippy toes on roller skates like that's cool and that's hard to do both are great I, I agree. I think the second one, just the sheer physical prowess, the the presentation where you feel like you're watching something that is just surreal and beyond what it, it, it actually is, is phenomenal. Uh, are there any other visual moments you wanted to cover that we didn't already? Another one that, it, it's minor, but uh, Stanley. When he first walks out and they have the creative, tasteful editing of the table full of like camouflage bedrolls or whatever laying there and he walks out and he's just covered in the uh, nothing but the tiger stripe war paint and he stands there and commands this sort of respect from everybody in the room and everybody (laughs) suddenly recognizes him as the alpha male. I love that scene and I am not entirely sure why other than it's just this brazen act that immediately gets recognition from everyone in the room. Yeah, fair. Then I, I do love the little details. I didn't even notice it the first time I watched this. Just the little detail of the machete on the little backstrap on his back. <laughs> I don't know why, but that is so funny to me. <laughs> it's great. I love that idea. It's I'm going to go into the woods with nothing but a machete. This is definitely my favorite Hal episode, and I, I think it's pretty much the best Stanley episode as well. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, they both had amazing moments. That wraps this episode up. Join us next week when we'll be covering The Bots and the Bees.
Yes. If you would like to have your voice heard on our perpetual arguments on the least shitty and shittiest kids, uh, you can find us on Twitter where we put up a poll after every episode releases each week, uh, where we are at unfair underscore podcast. Or if you want to get in touch with us for uh, anything that we missed or any trivia that you might have that we didn't bring up or anything like that, you can also reach us by email where we are lifeisunfairpod at gmail.com. And if you want to watch us play video games and join in and chat with us and like our back and forth, you can also find us on twitch.tv slash lpdeathray where we stream playing video games and things like that. And uh, you can chat along with Jake and I as we play games and delve into different topics and have general conversations much like we do in this podcast. Yeah, just as many tangents. Exactly. We never <laughs> stay on topic. Thanks for listening. And remember, life is unfair. Also, damn you, Taco Bell.